The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. But a little bit earlier on the show, Joe Brawley, the barrister and the host of the Free State podcast with Dion Fanning, uh, was with me talking about uh, the far right, the rise of the far right uh, in Ireland, and about the spread of hate in this country. Here's just a little clip of what he had to say. No one, I was thinking about this before I came in, no one hates Ireland. And I mean no one hates Ireland more than the Irish far right. They hate bus drivers, librarians, Lewis drivers, teachers, they hate teachers, women, gays, trans, they loathe trans people, politicians, can't stand politicians, hate working people, Muslims, Jews, the Jewish replacement theory, we see them standing on O'Connell Street and making these outrageous speeches, outrageous anti-Semitic speeches, the GAA, nurses, doctors, the homeless, sports people, you, they hate you, they hate me. Yeah. You know, and they'll happily smash up their own city and loot shops because hate is transferable. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's psychological occurring in the mind of the hater. That was uh, Joe Brawley, who was my guest a little bit earlier. If you want to hear... In full, what he had to say, it's all up as a podcast. If you go to the News Talk app or the Go Loud app, uh, you'll find it there or indeed anywhere you get your podcast. As they say, Paul Williams is with me. Paul's a crime journalist with the Irish Independent, of course. And um, Paul, um, you know, I, d- I don't think Joe was suggesting that everybody, um, you know, on, on the street on Thursday night was the far right, merely that they were maybe the ringleaders, uh, the people who got um, others out onto the street, despite that there's there's lots of people who would have described it as a far right mob. Um is that unhelpful? Well, I was arguing in the paper of the Irish Independent the weekend that, you know, labelling these people as they were on the night of the riot by um, the Garda Commissioner as a militant far-right faction working from a far-right ideology uh, basically serves to give the vast majority of these thugs who are on the street causing mayhem, gives them a sort of a warped sense of validation and legitimacy in what they did. The majority of them were, of these rioters were just young, disaffected teenagers, and there's a wider societal issue regarding dysfunctional kids and how they become dysfunctional in the first place. But these ones are very well known to the Gardaí as criminal thugs. They have no fear of the law. They're prepared to attack the guards at every opportunity. They're the ones causing the intimidation and assaults and robbing people on the streets around O'Connell Street for years, particularly since the lockdown. Um, so the truth is that these people are intellectually redundant. They have no respect for civilized society. And, you know, you can imagine if the great so-called Ireland's young Hitlers who tried to incite people and what people we call the far right, if this is their army, then they're not going to be very successful in the field. Um, But it goes to show just how easy it is for to get a mob together nowadays, yes. you know, under a flag of convenience and give them an excuse for thuggery. But remember this, um, Kieran, this isn't the first time we saw this. In 2006, the Love Ulster uh, riots, as they became, there was to be a, a Love Ulster unionists were to, to march down the O'Connell Street as a sign of, you know, the, the, the greater sort of reconciliation that was going on between North and South. And on that occasion, um, the fathers uh, and big brothers of the thugs who went riot, run riot last thir- Thursday night, they drew themselves to the Republican flag. Uh, and they were all suddenly concerned about, you know, what happened, the terrible things that the unionists did to the rest of Ireland. But the, what happened, the common denominator between that event 
and Thursday's night's event is that these great patriotic rioters were interested in just two things. One was to loot shops for new clobber and runners, and the other was to attack the Gardaí. And remember the joke mm. going around, such as it was on Thursday, was that, you know, uh, they didn't go in and start clearing the shelves of Eason's uh, because they weren't particularly interested in that, or indeed stealing uh, work boots or, or work clothes. Um, so that's the kind of, yeah. that's the level of, but, of political articulation you're looking at here. But the difference might be, in some people's eyes, though, that in the mid-noughties, that Republican movement was going through a period of, I won't say legitimization because they'd argue they were always legitimate, but I mean they were going through a, a mainstreaming, if we'll if we'll use that word. So so that there wasn't necessarily a fear that they might exploit that kind of disaffection and thuggery again. Whereas that's the fear this time, isn't it? That that it that those kind of ringleaders will go, Jesus wasn't that great crack, and look at how the guards were at sixes and sevens, and everybody tying mm-hmm. themselves in knots. Let's do it again in a few weeks. Yeah, these people articulate themselves through violence and hatred. We know that. And they're abusing social media, which begs the question, why isn't there a greater clampdown of these people using social media to incite hatred and violence on the streets? One other thing as well, of course, that's not lost on the army of thugs uh, who burned the place down was that they know about this crisis of morale in Angarda Shia They know how vulnerable cops have become. Like, for example, I heard John Lee, and he was he was talking to you earlier when he talked about people telling him that Gardaí were afraid to use force and used their batons on the night of the riot and that's an absolute fact and I've been saying this to you in your show many times we were talking about this and about the fact that there's a there's a very um, a, a very overzealous um, an overzealous uh, approach to discipline in the guards to such an extent that anyone can make a complaint and that there has been an increase uh, in um vexatious complaints being made to the guards. One incident earlier this year that just comes off the top of my head. A riot squad, a public order unit, had to burst its way into a building that was suspected of being a major drugs den in order to gain entrance because they weren't being allowed in. And as a result of that, where a lot of drugs and criminals were intercepted, there were so many complaints made that the guard at uh, that particular riot squad was was busy for at least a week making statements uh, to GSOC uh, because it was alleged that they infringed the rights of these uh, drug dealers. And that's the kind of madness. And then cops, as a result of that, that creates a chilling effect. And the cops then are thinking to themselves, why should I bother? They're more concerned and looking in the w- at looking in the mm. wing mirror uh, to find out what's going on behind them from their own authorities. And that kind of, and those, there was evidence there, Kieran, the other night where, where there was one cop and he was surrounded by these thugs and it was terrifying to look at. But a lot of police officers who had been texting me that night and, and, and sharing the imagery were saying, notice he didn't use his baton. Because he was, they were filming him and attacking him at the same time. And the cop was thinking to himself, maybe if I take out the baton, I could get in more trouble here. Yeah. And that now is no longer just uh, spurious allegations that have been made by disaffected cops. The evidence is there to back up all of this. Uh, you, make, you make a good point about the social media platforms. I mean, it strikes me if this was happening in person, kind of meeting up and, and, and inciting this level of hate, and it was happening in in GAA clubs or in bridge clubs around the country or wherever it happened to be, I mean, they'd be fairly quick about rooting it out. There seems to be an attitude of, uh, it's kind of too complicated to, 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 to deal with the big social media companies. I think it's difficult to, I think it's difficult for people to, um, because all of this is based, this, this is, 
an attempt to create chaos all the time. So it's very hard to catch the rat by the tail, so to speak. These guys are all over the internet, Twitter or X or whatever you call it now, on TikTok, uh, encouraging people, saying this is happening in our streets. Um, and it, it, it's very, very easy for them to incite these other guys. But they, And there are quite possibly and quite in reality, there are probably no more than two or three hundred of these hardcore nuts around the place. But we can see the damage they can create by uh, using social media to give the, the, the mobs who are just looking for an excuse for a bit of thuggery and fun, uh, give them an excuse to come out to play and wreck the place. Beyond then having to lift that kind of um, that sense of, of, of fear of reprisal from GSOC or somebody else uh, from the Gardaí, what else do we need to do? to equip them to deal with this type of thing in the future? Even in terms of resource, right, they, they need more personnel. We accept that. But beyond that, I mean, what resources do they need at their disposal? Well, for example, the, the, the representative bodies who they tend to be ignored, like we, there's a, a template of denial goes on in government and the top levels of Angarda Shikana. The commissioner and the minister have been telling us again and again and again, there's no issue with morale, there's no issue with resources, there's no issue with personnel, but of course there is. And the Garda representative bodies have been telling anyone who will listen, we're not being trained properly for this. We're not being equipped properly for this. There, was no, like, there, there were no helmets on those guards who were standing in the, in the thin yellow line that they formed um, uh, on Thursday night, if you remember. Uh, it was, and then the riot squads eventually came in and took over. But like they just that equipment should be with them. In fact, that should be standard. Like it was standard issue during the seventies and eighties when there were a lot of riots uh, being created by the and, and staged by the by the IRA and 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 Sinn Fein at the time when they were outside the loop. Um, and as a result of that, cops had had helmets. Uh, as per normal issue in the boot of every squad car they drove around in. So immediately, because they were expecting trouble at a drop of a hat. Nowadays, when we're even more violent than we were then, the cops don't have those that basic equipment available to, them to protect themselves. The, the other piece of equipment that is going to be made available uh, is uh, body cams, but it's not going to come with facial recognition technology. So that was a kind of civil liberties fears expressed over this, so they were separated in the legislation. Do you think that was a mistake? Of course it was a mistake. Um, an absolute mistake. Um, there is more concern that with, with GDPR as well. Um, there has been more concern for the pr- privacy of the likes of evil, nasty killers, members of cartels like Graham Dwyer. Remember his argument that his data, his personal data, which the personal data was the warped script to his horrific murder of an innocent woman, um, that his data was somehow being infringed, civil rights were being infringed. And the same with AI technology. All of this technology is there for a reason. It is there to protect society. So if body cams don't have facial recognition, it's a lost opportunity. Remember as well, go back, we have precedent in, in history for all of this, Kieran. In 1996, another seminal event took place when Veronica Guerin was murdered and the state was under serious pressure. They brought in a raft of, of groundbreaking legislation which created the Criminal Assets Bureau. Now at the time, people will forget this, but it was described as a draconian and egregious breach of basic human rights and civil liberties. Well, since then, it has been found to be indeed a proportionate response to the threat to society posed by major criminals like the Kinnahans, like the Hutches, or the, all these kind of people, Gilligans of this world. And that legislation is now an integral part of our law enforcement infrastructure. It is totally backed by the public. So we get all these arguments 
And these arguments are made primarily. Like, I'm not worried about facial recognition, are you? Because I don't think I have anything to hide. I don't think you've been up to anything, Kieran. It, it's only people, it's the same thing with CAB. When the cops, it was considered an egregious breach of human rights for the cops to be able to come along and knock on your door and say to you, by the way, Kieran, there's 200 grand sitting in your bank account, where'd you get it? There's only two answers to that. One, you got it legitimately, or B, you didn't. And that was seen as the only people that fear, fear this, this stuff are the criminals, the people who don't want to be caught. And it can be dressed up as a, as a breach of human rights and civil liberties. But what about the human rights of the people who are murdered, the people who are being beaten up and assaulted and intimidated and threatened, who are being abducted? You know, the people who live in communities that are under siege from drug traffickers and drug dealers who are wrecking the place and smashing the windows in their homes and terrorizing kids over drug loans. If AI intelligence, if AI technology and body cams with, with, with facial recognition technology are there and they make any kind of a difference to catching these guys, so, so bloody well be it. Like we have to, you have to, it, there's, we have to give up something in mm. order to protect ourselves and protect our society and decent people. And, and the only people who have to fear this is if you have something to hide. And protect our reputation as well, Paul. I know this is kind of beyond your bailiwick, say, as a crime journalist, but I mean, the reputational damage that was done to Ireland, we're understandably all focused still on the law and order side of it, as well we should mm. be. But I mean, eventually we're going to have to stand back and accept that, uh, like particularly in places like the United States, where we rely so much on on uh, on our reputation, not only in terms of tourism, but I mean, all that foreign direct investment, one of the big reasons they come here, we talk about tax, we talk about the knowledge economy, all of that, but it's because Ireland is a safe and stable place. Crazy things don't happen. Things I mean, that that is a big, big thing for these companies. And that all took a knock. And one of the, one of the, the you know, the, the themes that in some of the, uh, you know, Materials have been written about this, and, and opinion pieces have been written, uh, analysed. Is that we are shocked as a society uh, because we didn't believe, or we didn't want to believe, or maybe we just ignored the fact that there's a far right. We like to think of ourselves as being very liberal and cool people, and 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 very equitable and uh, welcoming and warm. But we didn't really want to accept that amongst us um, are these. Troglodytes, these um, dangerous, violent, or as, as, as uh, Joe Bradley said, the Irish hate movement has been developing and has been building up a small but consistent support base. I think that shocks us as a society. But one of the things, I, one of the very positive things that you can take from what happened in the aftermath of Thursday is, is, is the overwhelming reaction of the Irish people who don't want this and want the police to protect them and want the, the, these people taken off the streets and brought to justice. The far right and their army, army of, of Neanderthals and nihilists, uh, that's what the public want. And in fact, and in many ways, some people would argue that you know, it reinforced the public's faith and in Angarda Shikana as the, the primary law enforcement agency in the state, that it's there to protect them. Paul Williams, crime journalist with the Irish Independent. Paul, as always, thanks a million for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.